Okay, so the agenda th agenda tonight, um, I'm going to start by making three points about the um, about the the end of the Rashi's we did last week. Uh, they'll all be review points, but I, we, some of them we haven't seen inside in Rashi. That's going to set up the Yerushalmi Halacha Aleph, um, and we're going we're to do that very technically. Today is going to be a version of the Shear on why I don't know Pshat Yerushalmi, but I can show you no one else did either. Um, and I think that's important because we're going to move then, aside from its intrinsic importance about what the difficulties are in learning Yerushalmi, we're going to move then uh, next week to, um, assuming that we get through everything this week, uh, but next stage in the shir is we're going to do the, uh, the Yerushalmi on a late, uh, later in the parak, and that's going to be totally, right, that's going to set everything up crucially. Um, so one has to be aware in advance of how risky it is to build things on the, um, on the Yerushalmi and see if you're convinced or not. Okay, so let me start by, um, by taking us back um, to the previous weeks, and I want to make I want to make three points about the um, about the the the, the um, about interpretation of the Mishnah um, and interrelated points in interpretation of the Mishnah as done by Rashi. So the first point um, that I wanted to make was remember Rashi all the way back on the Mishnah. Rashi said Rashi said Hasocheret Umanin. We'll get to this week's source sheet. As soon as we're done with this, right? Rashi said that the this line of the Mishnah. Uh, is there a question? Okay, no. this line this this line of the Mishnah is dealing with kablanut, and that implies that everything up till there in the Mishnah is dealing with polling. Now, that's an interesting thing for Rashi to do. We don't really know what uh, what motivates Rashi to do it yet, but I want to point out that this has an important nafkamina. Or at least possible nafkamina that we haven't addressed so far, which is, we have um, right, what is this line of the mission about, right? So we have all the okimtas in the Gemara, uh, which address whether this is hitu or chazru, but we know that this line hasochar to in the chazru, right? That's definitely about chazara. So now the question really is, right? If Rashi is correct, so then there is nothing in the Mishnah unless it's unless right it's, unless that's what's included in the line later of. But assuming that is, is a special case for now, by saying that by saying that um, Rashi says this line is about polim, not about umanim. So now the question is, what's talacha by polim of chazara? Um, so since here we're given enough gemina for chazara, the chazru ben miyadam la tachtona. And here we're given a line of Taromet. So if this line of the Mishnah is also about Chazru, so that means that there is a different halacha between Poalim and Kablanim on the halacha of Chazara. On the other hand, if this line of the Mishnah is really just dealing with Vihitu, then we just have no idea because the Mishnah never talks about the question of, uh, the question of Chazara. Okay, that's one point in Rashi. Um, then going on in Rashi, and Rashi told us that this line, mm-hmm. so, right, the Gemara is going to tell us later, so we don't have to address the question of whether that's Poel, Kablan, or um, something else entirely. Okay, moving on in the, right, so let me tell you that there's a Machlokas in the Gemara among all the Okimtas, but whether the first line of the Mishnah is talking about Hitu or Chazara. Um, okay, and then Rashi, um, Rashi told us later on, um, um, okay, so then uh, Rashi, Rashi, Rashi over here already split, 
explicitly says that Rashi understands the Brisa late in the Gemara of saying that there's only Tarnoba in the case of Chazru, but that's in the Brisa. We don't know if the Brisa is the same as the Mishnah, so we have to go back to here as to how Rashi understands the last Okimta and the Raya from the Brisa. So Rashi says the Okimta is Hai Chazru Nami Chazru the line Hitu in our Mishnah. Uh, it's also talking about polim and balei bayis. It's not talking about the polim in each other. Right? Because in that case also we talk about hitu and he quotes the and he quotes the um, he quotes the brayta. So we said so we were not sure entirely. It sounds like according to Rashi, all we're proving is that the language of um, the language of hitu can also be chazru. We still don't know the Mishnah is talking about the same case as the Brita, which is talking about Poalim. And the last thing we have to talk about is that Rashi goes out of his way later on when he's talking in the Brita to say that the Brisa, the Maklokas in the Brisa about Shaman Lemasha Asu or Shaman Lamatilasot, Rashi says out of his way, this 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 author of the Brita, Lesle Hatana, Haditnam Bemasnis and Kolakhosri Bayodola Tachtona. Right? So Rashi says that this Brita disagrees with the anonymous position in, in our Mishnah. I'm uh, sorry, the, sorry, the anonymous position in the Brisa disagrees with our Mishnah, but Rabbi Dosa agrees with, uh, right, agrees with our Mishnah. So we have, um, now this is talking about, um, over here, um, it seems clear we're talking about Kablanim. So the, um, right, so we have three inter, interrelated questions, right? One is, is the first line of the Mishnah talking about Polim or Kablanim uh, or both? The second is, is the first line of the Mishnah talking about Hat'oya or Chazara? Um, and the third question is, how do, right, third question is how, does the, how do the positions of the Mishnah relate to each other? Because we know that there's a Machlokas Tanaim, and, um, right, and we know that one part of the Mishnah, according to Rashi, follows Rabbi Dosa against it. Right? Is that consistent, or can the Mishnah itself be, right, be, um, be broken up? Right? Those are our opening questions. Um, which we're going to leave for now, and now we're going to go to the Yerushalmi, and we're going to see how the Yerushalmi approaches those questions, and then think about um, think about how that might feed back into how we read the Bavli. Um, okay, so here's now we're going to go to this week's um, this week's source sheet. Okay, so I presented the um, presented the Yerushalmi to you. Um, the um, the, right, the, right, obviously, the Yerushalmi on the page is not going to look this neat, but I think that the structure is evident, so hopefully, and you'll get that I like seeing things in terms of structures, and we're going to analyze the Yerushalmi uh, the same way we analyze the Bavli, but looking at the overall structure. So here's what the Yerushalmi says. So this is the version, uh, the Vilna text, in this case, the Vilna text, um, which is right, the edition with the Yachronim on the side that we look at, and the Venice text, uh, which is the, original, the first printed edition of the Yerushalmi, which is based on the only manuscript we have Xavier Leiden um, are virtually identical, um, and you'll see that that just means we don't have enough witnesses. It doesn't mean that the text of the Yerushalmi was stable. So the, this is Yerushalmi Perik Vav Halacha Aleph. Um, so what it's uh, so what it what it says is This is the Mishnah. Okay. Now the Yerushalmi is structured as two halves. Right. One half asks the question Mahu, right? What's the case, right? That Mahu here, uh, except the problem is that Mahu usually doesn't, right? At least in the Bavli, right? Mahu doesn't ask. Isn't the same thing as Hechidami. 
It's not asking what the case is, it's asking what the halacha is. But let's assume that Yerushalmi is different, and here it really means what's the case. Uh, and the other case is Hitan Balabayas. Okay, so we have two parallel sections. One is they trick each other, and the other is the Balabayas tricks them. So we have a couple of problems with this, right? First of all, those are, right, those are not the exactly parallel cases, right? The, the parallel cases we have are um, either, the, they, either the, they and the Balabayas trick each other, or right, uh, they right, or they tri- right, or they right. But these are not balanced halves, right? This one has two polim, and this one just has the balabayas. That's an interesting, interesting um, question. Like, where does, the, how is the Yerushalmi reading the Mishnah, so that these two questions are both legitimate? And secondly, that's a line from the Mishnah. but hitan balabayas is not a line from the Mishnah. So what is the relationship? between these questions that structure the Yerushalmi and the Mishnah? Now that's a, right, that's, a, a fair, that's a fair question to ask, and we don't have an answer to it. Now, under, underneath each of these halves, um, the Yerushalmi has two sections, and each of those, sec- each of those sections, um, right, you can see, have a number of variables. The ver- um, there are a lot of ways you can, right, you can, change, you can change some of the pronouns here, you can write this five. This one, the, on this side it's five ten, then ten, then ten five. On this side it's ten five, then uh, then five ten. Um, and uh, the, right, the first the first one says Rabban, Ruban, and then um, and then uh, Yomin. Uh, right, each of them says Ruban then Yomin. Okay, but it, every, the structure is the same. Um, right, the things you can change are the pronouns, the number, and um, and whether you're using Ruban or Yomin. So let's read it the way we have it. So, Aite Atun Avdin Imi. Okay, so you, right, you come work with me. Now, this is a case of Hit Uzeedze, uh, which can't be the same as Hit Abalabayatotan, because that's over here. So, Hit Uzeedze must be talking about Polim, tricking each other. So, it must be one Pol says to the other, come work with me. So, his response is, Hechatun Avdin, right? So, you want me to come work with you? What are you guys getting paid? Min ruban. Most of us are, uh, right? Most of us are. What are you guys? Well, I should say. What is the work you are doing? So min ruban. Mostly five. Um, ruban And it turns out to be ten. Okay. Then we have this exact same question. It says here it's min yomin. It's ten days, and they turn out it's five days. So. First question is when we say zed zed, so is this a right? So, but they're polim, so there isn't any way, right? There isn't any way of reversing it, um, really, uh, right? What would it mean for them to trick? So, if we if we introduce an agent, so then like, what would it mean for them to trick the agent? Why does that matter? Um, so it sounds like we have two cases, in which some right, in which somebody trick, in some, somebody tricks somebody, but what are the cases? Uh, right, what are what are the what are the cases? Um, somehow there's a case where it's tricking them to say five when it turns out to be ten, and it turns out to be a case of uh, tricking them when it says ten, and it works out to be five. And it works out to be five. Now, we'll also have to play out. Right? Remember that um, the Bavli has a bunch of okimtas where the person, um, uh, where the person overpromises, and then has the one okimta at the end where the person underpromises. Where we go back and forth about saying whether Savar Kibil 
uh, suffer from Kibel or not. So here we have two cases. Are they right? It sounds. Are they both underpromising and overpromising? Okay, we don't. We don't know the stage of the Yerushalmi at all. And in the reverse case, he's done Balabayas. So, uh, right. So you guys can work with those other people who are working for me. Aitu atun abdin in chavrechon. Right. What do they work for? Well, they work for ten. And it turns out they work for five. So that's a pretty straight case. Uh, right. That sounds like a pretty straight case of um, of him tricking them. Um, and then, so we have to say pretty radically, Savar Vikibel will say it's only Taromet, because here, he promised them directly. So if he promised them directly, why shouldn't they get more? So this is a problem, Yishalmi. Aitu atun abdinim chavrechon, you guys come work with your friends, reverse case, well, what do they work for? Mechamisha yomin, they're going to work for five days, and it turns out that it's ten days. So what's the issue here? If they do ten days work, do they get paid? Do they not get paid? What's the taromit? What were their opportunities? What are they losing? It's more employment than they had. So the Yerushalmi is very, very puzzling. Okay, right? We can we have a beautiful structure, but honestly, we have no idea what it means. Okay, um, and remember, right? So I just have, here give you gave you the uh, gave you the uh, the Bavli again. Just remember that we have at least two problems to focus on. One is what's the relationship between the opening line if Hitu really means Chazru. Uh, um, then we would have this issue, but it doesn't look so. That's so. That's why the, the Yerushalmi probably is already driven to say that Hitu means Hitu and not Chazru. Um, that so that Hitu means uh, Hitu and not Chazru. But okay, and then um, and then the Bavli has the whole question about whether Savar Kibel applies in the case of where he overpromises, and we just don't know how to make that work out here. Okay, here's what the Ritva uh, says about this about this Yerushalmi. He says, Chazru zeh bezeh lo katani, elahitu zeh zeh da'atu polimadari. Right, now he's on the Bavli. Right? The Bavli starts off by saying that it doesn't say Chazru, it must say Hitu, and if it says Hitu, then it must be, right, this is what everything in the Bavli was built on, da'atu polimadari, that the two, the workers tricked each other. Umistabra, but now the Rifa says something wild. Does it make sense? Da'achinami havimatsi lamemar shihita balabayis. Lapolim oshitu polim balabayis. It seems to the Ritva that the Bavli chose to make it about Polim tricking each other, but Hachaname, right, it makes sense it could also have created an Rukimta which related directly to the Balabayas and the Polim. Right, so that's a wild thing. The whole effort we went through in the Bavli, according to the Ritva at this stage, is just unnecessary. Right? Just unnecessary. There's no, right, there, was no need for, there was no need for us to do that, uh, to do that at all. And then he says, oh, guess what? V'chein amru b'yushalmi. The Yerushalmi, he says, claims that the case of the Mishnah is, um, right, is certainly includes a case where the Balabayas tricks the Polim and the Polim tricks the Balabayas. Okay, now we remember, we going back to the Yerushalmi, looked at it and said, well, there's no, right, it, said, it explains here how the, how, how the um, Balabayas tricked them, and it says here about them tricking each other, but where do we get the idea that they tricked the Balabayas also, which is what the, right, which is what Zed Zesh should mean? So how does the Rifa do that? So the Rifa gives you his gear, Sir the Yerushalmi. Here's his gear, Sir the Yerushalmi. Now what you'll note is, right, uphand, before you notice anything else, right, we have four sections of the Yerushalmi. The Ritva only has two. And, right, and he has, right, on the, his first one, right, his first one, right, his first one says ten and then five. And his second one says five and then uh, 
it says five and then ten. He doesn't have the headings, uh, read the Mahus. But if we go upstairs, we say ten and five, five and ten. So it turns out he has the bottom half, right? He's right, right. He right. He has this section where it's ten and then five, and he has this section where it's five and then ten on the other side. He doesn't have the hitan zed zema with hitan balabayis ma. He doesn't have the first half of the cases, and that lets him come with completely different conclusions from it, right? So let's say what he let's hear what he thinks the Yerushalmi says. He says, the reisha b'hatas poalim lebalabayis. The Seifa Hata'as Balabayas Lepoalim. As the Rifus says that the Yerushalmi takes an option that the Bavli never even considered. And as a result of this, he told us he thinks that this is also true in the Bavli, just the Bavli didn't bother. Just read all those that read all those Akimtas in the Bavli are really unnecessary. They could have just made it straight, straight Poel Balabayas. Okay, now let's say what are his two cases? Amralon. So, right, so this is the first case which he says is the Balabayas tricks the poem, I guess. Right? So he says, work with me. Uh, right? So they so he chavrechon um Avdin. So they say, to whom? I don't know, right? So let's figure out what the pronouns are. They say right, but they ask, what do people work for? Ruben Abdin min Eser, Ashikhan Ruben min Abdin Mulach. So that's one trick one. The other one is Imach Anu Abdin, right? So probably this is the first one is really the Balabayas. Yeah, sorry, the first one is Hitu Balabayas Lepoalim. Um, right? Um, but pronouns don't work very well. And the second one is Hitu Poalim Balabayas. But presumably we'll have to say is somehow the Balabayas tricks the Poalim by over, right, by um, telling them that, well, we don't know. Truth is, right? We know Balabayas could trick the Poalim by saying that they get 10 and therefore you'll get 10 and they only get, they only get 5. Um, right, that would be an easy right. So the Balabayas overpromises. That would be parallel to our last, to our last Dokimta. The Balabayas overpromises them. Then why do why do they only get five? Why don't they get ten? It's directly with the balabayas. So, really, really hard to figure out exactly how the right how this works out. What about the other way? Imachanu Avdin working with you. Hechavrin Avdin. Okay, so right, right. What do people like you get paid? They mostly work for five, and then it turns out that Ruben Avdin min Esser that most people. Right, that most people um, get 10. So who only has a taromid on whom? So really, really confusing to figure out, the, right, to figure out what the Ritva is talking about uh, in terms of the Okimta. All we know at this stage, the Ritva says that the Oki- somehow we can construct a case where the Polam and the Balabayas relate to each other, and the outcome is that there's only a taromid. Um... Okay, anybody have comments? Uh, yeah, question. So, I might be misremembering, but I thought that when we ultimately got to the Brita and the Gemara, the, um, if you applied the Brita to the Mishnah, the implication was that that initial case of the Mishnah could also be talking about um, a case between the Balbayan and the, and the Pauline. Um, yes, that's correct, right? That's right. We, so, but yes. So if that's the ultimate conclusion of the of the Bavli, then why is it a radical idea that the Ritva um, adopts it right off the bat? Um. Okay. Um. So the the answer is that the right, but the, we we said the Brita applies to the Mishnah, if we say that the Mishnah is talking about cases of Chazru. Right, we only introduced the Brita to support the Okimta that Hitu really means um, right that Hitu really means Chazru. 
where the, where the structure of the Gemara is, we start off by saying that it doesn't say Chazru, it says Hit. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't say um, Chazru. It says Hitu. So we must not be talking about a. Um, and therefore, we're talking about the Polim tricking each other because once it's Hitu, the Polim must be tricking each other. And then we said, oh no, we can actually make Hitu mean Chazru, and then it can be talking about the direct relationship. But the Yerushalmi says no. According to the Ritva, the Yerushalmi says no. It really means it. Um, right. It really means um, Hitu, because it, the cases they give are cases of Hitu, not cases of Chazru. And it relates really a direct relationship to Pauline and Balabayas. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay, right. So let's right. Thank you. So that, that's a that's a let, let's let's go back and, and show it again. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to defer this till after, you can go back and look at that. You can ask. Ask. Go ahead. So, so here's what we're so where we are is that when we read the Bavli, right, it sounded to us, um, and it sounded and right, and from Rashi it was fairly clear that I think that what happened in the Bavli was was as follows: you have two choices in the first line of the Mishnah. You can either say Hitu means Chazru, in which case it's impossible to say it's directly between the owner and the Balabayas because that would never yield a Taromit. That would always yield more than a Taromit or not or nothing. And therefore you have to right, and therefore you have to introduce the middleman, or you can say it really means hitu, in which case you can make it direct. The Yerushalmi, the way the Rifta has the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi says no, it means hitu, and we can have a, we can construct a case where there is just a taromit. But the problem is his case, which with it right, that's it sounds exactly like what the Bavli said is impossible. So the Rifta says this amazing thing. The Rifta says no, we misread the the Bavli. The Bible didn't introduce the middle person because it couldn't have a direct case. The Bible introduced the middle person for fun, <laughs> uh, right? So you know, which is parallel to the sort of thing I said, right? That you know that that the whole purpose of the original Kimtas is just to introduce new cases where there's only a Torah that you might have thought either there wasn't. Right? It's just to int- it's not about shot in the mission at all. Um, but it's radical, right? To say that right that the there was another right. The Bible has five Okimtas. And there was, right, four Okimtas, right, four, before it gets to the saying that, that Hitu really means Chazru. And it could have had six, but it chose not to. And it's not, I guess it, it seems impossible to even read the Mishnah itself consistently that way, because the Sefer, the Mishnah, talks about a case with the Baal bias, which it calls Chazru, and it doesn't say Tarom, and it says, you know, Kola Chazru, Yadavala Tachtun, or whatever it was. Uh, well, that's fine, right? Because now the mission is about Hitu. I mean, right? So, right again, in this, Yerushalmi is all about Hitu now, so it's irrelevant to the later part of the Mishnah with Kolachozerbo. So Yerushalmi succeeds, right? The advantage of what the Yerushalmi is doing, um, right, is that, it, right, and, and the advantage of the whole Bavli's effort at Okimtas is that it does not, it, right, that the mission doesn't have to be inconsistent anymore because. The case of the case of Chazrubo is irrelevant to the case of Hitu, so Hitu ends up in Taromit, and Chazrubo ends up with Adonal Tachtona. Right, sorry. Okay, this is your This is an old-fashioned Gemara, right? Cheshbon. Uh, just trying to keep track of the. Okay, so now let's go back and let's let's take a look again at this this uh, amazing right, amazing thing that the Ritva does. Um, so the Ritva says. 
right, the huddle of Pirshu Hachi Begemar, right, so he says, right, again, by point Mistabra, the Hachinami, Havi Matsi Lememar, it could also, Avli could also have said that it was talking about a case, Shritu Balabayas, Lepolem, Shritu Polem, Lepolem, And, right, his riot to that is, look, the Yerushalmi, right, he reads the Yerushalmi as constructing Okimtas, which are just straight cases between the Polem and the and the Balabayas, we don't know what those cases are. It might be that uh, that we have to throw everything we learned in the Bavli out, but that's kind of hard because the Ritva is trying to reconcile the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. So presumably he's going to have some kind of really fancy way of reconciling them. We just don't know what it is. And now he says, Okay, but, right, I said it just for fun, but the Ritva is not going to leave it at that. Why doesn't the Gemara give this pshat? Mishum Shehitu poli mahadadi. So the Rifa says when the when the Mishnah said hitu uh, ze that sounds more like the poem tricking each other than it does like the poem tricking the bala, tricking the balabayas. Eh. Now he says, well, look, even right, he has his own eh. Biafel piduchio kim lekamana hitu zeze bolemaymar shachazru zebaze mari ben poli balabayas. So even though later on we say it's really hitu zeze. We are required, right? Um, we, sorry, the the chiyokin lekamidu zezeh by the right. So even later on, we interpret the line zezeh to mean it's the poem of the balabayas in the um, right when we interpret the Mishnah based on the Brita, right? So when you say that hitu means chazru, that right that means zezeh is poem of balabayas. How can you tell me? Oh, they were forced to do this because they couldn't say that zezeh means poem of balabayas. The last okimta does say that. Um, so yeah, once you say it's polim, so then we understand it's impossible to say it's the polim being chozer on each other. What would that mean? Um, but when it comes to hitu, which could apply to um, to to polim doing each other, so since we'd rather make zezeh refer to the polim uh, each other as opposed to the the polim and the balabayas. So once it becomes possible, it becomes necessary. Okay, this is really very, very, very elaborate. And it depends on a claim that this line, so does that obviously more likely mean the umanim tricked each other than that the socher and the umanim tricked each other? You can try and claim it based on number, right? Some people write claim that it should be there's no, there's no, there's no pronoun that will work, right? You can't use elu because only one socher, and you can't use zeb because only one, right? Because only one uman, and right. So there's no reciprocal language that would work. So this overall, this is an astonishing claim, of the an astonishing claim of the ritva, um, which is not right. Which really, you know, is probably impossible to fit into our gemara, as it is. Um, I get right because right to say that this this is talking about the Hidu Zezeh is talking about the Paul and tricking the Balabayas. Why? And Hidu Balabayas is right so, right that makes sense. But Zezeh right so it doesn't fit all in all. Uh, the Ritva is just right is a, a kind of a black hole except that he opens up to us the possibility of the possibility that the Gemara when it when the Gemara chooses. To create okimtas, which are with the with the agent, so we thought the Gemara had to do that because uh, it was really con- because that was the, once you say that it's talking about hitu as opposed to chazru, 
there's no possibility of doing it um, directly. And the says, no, they had that possibility. And that makes it worse, not better, I think. But we don't have any idea what the, what the Rifa means at all. Okay, so now we're going to take a look at the um, Pnei Moshe. Pnei Moshe is um, the commentary printed on the side of this Vilna Yerushalmi. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's, I forget, late, late 18th, early 19th century. It, uh, it's really like many commentaries in Yerushalmi are written, people try to write both the Rashi and the Tosfot. The Pnei Moshe is the Rashi, the Maria Panim is his attempt at Tosfot. He's trying to run a, to print a running commentary. And what he says in his introduction, which is what every commentary on the Yerushalmi says in the introduction, is that all other commentaries on the Yerushalmi we're not really reading the Yerushalmi. They are just imposing the Bavli on the Yerushalmi. But I am not. Right? That's the Pei Moshe's introduction, explaining how he is the first commentary on the Yerushalmi that really reads Yerushalmi for itself and does not, um, and does not introduce the Bavli. But you can see that, uh, right, if you get graphically, you can see here, uh, that the ratio of commentary to, um, right, the commentary is in red and the original text is in black. And you can see that not so much of the original black text made it, and the commentary overwhelms it. So it's going to take a lot of effort for him to, um, for him to get to where, uh, to, where, to where he wants to go. Uh, he's going to be using our text, though. Right? That's a plus for us. He's going to use our text. So here's what he says. Right, first, because he's trying to be Rashi, so he starts with, um, right, with a commentary on the Mishnah, and probably he gets that the commentary on the Mishnah is supposed to set you up for the Gemara. And he tells you that, right? He even has a line, and um, that Gemara here refers to the Yerushalmi, I believe, not the Bavli, right? So you can see that he is a very conscious imitation of Rashi. So here's what he said. What does that mean? So what's the first thing he does when, introduced, when, when reading the Yerushalmi? Is he introduces the middleman. Right, remember the Ritva says that the Yerushalmi doesn't talk about the middleman at all. The first thing that Pei Moshe does is introduce the middleman. And he gives you the, the Okimta of the Bavli. Right? And you can tell that he's using off the Bavli because he says 4 and 3 as opposed to the Yerushalmi, which has 10 and 5. And he gives you a specific Okimta. But he gives you the Okimta where the... Right, where the um, where the the agent under promises, which is the last okimta of the Gemara, the right the, the one which the Gemara initially rejects because it should be Sabr Vakibel, and the Gemara in the end says, and he tells you, right? Right? So the first thing is he says that the Pshat in the Mishnah that I want you to know walking into the Yerushalmi is the Pshat of the last Okimta of the Bavli, before we get to Hitu Rilimini Khazru, so it's Hitu. And it's the case where the with and there's an agent, and the agent under promises, um, and right, and we end up saying that there that that there is a taroma because of less luck ultimately balaf, but hang on a sec, that's only one case. The Yerushalmi has four cases, so you have to say the Gemara The Gemara is in addition to this explanation of the Mishnah, the Gemara is going to have other explanations of the Mishnah. Okay, so this is going to get right. This is going to get fancy, because right, because again, according to the according to the Ritzvah, there's only uh, right, there's there's only back and forth between direct contract between the Balabayas and the Poel. 
the uh, play motion immediately puts in the puts in the agent. Okay, so let's say hitu zet zemahu. Right, so here is the play motion putting in the Bavli, Right, what is the first question the Bavli asks? He says hitu zed zed. Well, that can't mean chazru because that would mean it's direct. Right, it says hitu zed zed, which implies that it applies to the workers. But here he has an interesting claim. Not that it applies to the workers; it applies to the workers also. So he opens also opens up the possibility that the Mishnah has multiple cases, right? That we're not as opposed to when we read the Bavli, we thought that you have to choose among the Okimtas, um, and that was within the the possibility of right of with the agent there. He thinks that maybe we can have multiple possibility. The Gemara can have multiple possibilities um, as to who the people engaged are. Okay, so that's why he, he goes on and explains what is it, the Gemara goes on and explains it with this. Okay, so Aiti Adun Abdinimi, what does that mean? Kigon, for example, Sheikhad Minomani Namarla Khavero, one of them said to his friend, Bov Asuimi Milachala Balabayas, come and work with me for that person. So what's missing in this language is any language of agency, right? The Omr Lay Balabayas. So we'll have to figure out, right, whether right in the in the Bavli, really the whole conversation once we introduced the middleman, was about the relative responsibilities of the original employer and the agent. But here, it's not at all clear that the, um, that the Balabais ever gives instructions to the agent at all. Right? So, you come work with me. So, what do you guys who currently work for the Balabais get? Uh, here he says, what does that mean, Nechamesh Ruban? So the numbers in the first case say, say the um, says the pay Moshe. The numbers are not offers to pay. All right, how much am I going to pay you? That right, the way they are in the Bavli. The number the numbers in this case are about how much the work is worth. The work you do is going to be worth about five. Now how he gets the word ruban to mean five to mean the work is worth I don't know. It's not going to end it to mean that. He's going to have to read the text somehow to get that. V'holchu umatsu shu'tzrichin la'asos l'malacha shishave asar dinarin. And they find out that they actually have to do work that is worth 10 dinarin. So the trickery is not to under... Right, the trickery is not that he under-promises them the work. It's that he underestimates the work they have to do for the salary they're going to get. But... That should have an easy answer. Like they were in Severvikibil. The work is worth ten. Why don't they get paid ten? Why is this the case of Taromit? Really, really strange. We'll have to figure out what he means by this case. But that's case number one, right? That a worker tricks his colleagues by underestimating the amount of work they will have to do. Here's case number two, also explaining it to Zetze. Atunavdunimi, so Oshomarlam, or the other possibilities that he said to them. You guys will work a lot. You'll work, right? You'll work for enough days that, right? You'll get ten days' salary. And they get there and they discover that it's only five days' work. So he, right? So the first one is he, un, right? He under promises the amount of work they'll have to do. 
but it's not clear why there's maybe there's a, maybe there's only a turn limit because maybe they will get paid if they finish the work, um, but they um, but they didn't they they didn't think they'd have to go that far. But then the answer is if they can be closer halfway, so then why should there be a turn limit at all? It's their choice to continue working. So maybe this case presumes that they don't have the right to be closer halfway, and this case actually talks about chazru and not just about hitu, but. Be that as it may, we have two cases, right? So one case is that, right? One case is that the agent tells them you only have uh, you only have work that's worth five, and they end up having to do work that's worth ten. Um, and the second is he tells them you'll have work you'll have work that will um, cause you'll get paid for ten days, and it turns out there's only five days. So that's also a case of kosher, isn't it? Right? Where right? He said he paid them for ten days and only get paid for five. Um, so maybe because it's the agent we're complicating, right, we're going to get back into these things, but it's really, really hard to read the um, to really hard to understand these cases halachically, it's possible to read them um, but having successfully read them and then raised the issue that if this is true maybe, right even though the Pnei Moshe is reading the Yerushalmi as literarily parallel to the Bavli He's blowing up all the halacha of the Bavli in ways that you know we have to we could construct a whole different system based on, but at least we know the structure of the sugya is the fir, right the first half which is hitu mahu is all about right it's two different cases in which the poli, one agent tricks the other and the question is so why do we need two cases okay let's go to the other side hitu and balabai is mahu kilomar the chain nami matzinan liferushe Ah, so what did the Pnei should do here? What he says is, this, this, this column is essentially parallel to the Bavli, and it's just two Okimtas um, that are parallel to the Bavli Okimtas, but in ways that are um, right, hard for us to understand how to keep the substance consistent. And then he adopts the approach of the Ritva, which he knows, of course, which is that the Yerushalmi then goes on to give other... Uh, other okay, right, other explanations of the Mishnah, which the right, wait, right, you could that after just doing it with the agent, it also does it, right? The Name, right, and remember that was his also the Gemara Farish La Udbinyanacher, right? So what he said was this is right, this is the Okimta of the Mishnah I'm giving you because it's parallel to the Bavli and the Rishalmi has the same kind of Okimta as the Bavli. Uh, but remember, but he introduced the Dal Dinarim, which was a mess because the Dal Dinarim is not actually at all what the um, right what the Yerushalmi says because the Bavli is talking about specific promises by the employer um, right whereas Yerushalmi doesn't mention that at all so this is a slip by the Pnei Moshe when he says Dal Dinarim um, and then he says and by the way the rest of the Yerushalmi is further Okimtas which the Yerushalmi introduces after the Bavli Okimtas and the Bavli chose to leave those out for whatever reason right we're in the same language as the Ritva so how does he do here nami um, so the the work the owner the owner says directly to the workers, come work with these other umanim that I hire every day. and the work is great. It's going to take a lot of days. And for that work, you're going to get ten dinarim. And they find out that it's really not that much. It's only five days' pay. So that sounds 
pretty much identical to the case down here. Except that he, when he checked, you know, except he sort of, right, he had to, what did he have to do? He said, he, it's roughly the same case, except that he knows that over here, right on the bottom, on the bottom quarter, quadrant, right, the bottom right quadrant, the word is Yomin, and over here, in the top quadrant, the word is Ruban. So what does he have to do? Right, he's, right, he's, he starts talking about amount of money, because he wants the word, he wants it to be Ruban here, but in the end, he can't make Ruban, right, he can't, he, it has to be about days to make the case make sense, because he, right, for reasons we'll see in a moment, so he has to introduce Yaman in the same time, so Ruban and Yaman end up meaning the same thing, and the case has been, right, the Gemara presents the same case, essentially, in two different ways, just changing the speaker. This is a mess. Um, okay, Atya Tunadini, what's the fourth case? Kilomar, what this means to say, whatever, so when you say Kilomar, right, that means it doesn't really say it, you got it, right, Kilomar is a paraphrase because the language of the text doesn't get you there. Inami Ifcha, or the reverse. So the, what the, the employer said to them was, Come, right, come um, work with your fellow Umanim, whom I have hired, for the entire work such and such. And the work is easy. And you can do it in five days. The whole right, meaning that I'm not paying you per day. I'm paying you for the full work, and I'm giving you my estimate that you'll be able to earn this money for all the work in five days. The whole chulamatzu shetricha avoda lastar yamim. It turns out it takes ten days' work to earn the same money. The chol ki haygavna ein lam ela taromot. They still have nothing but a taromot. Why? Uh, sorry, taromot dvarim. Right. Sorry, my fault. Right. After all this, they only have a um, they only have a complaint of words, but they don't have a, they don't have a sub any, any right. Shiyomru. They can say. If we had known that it wouldn't, right, that there wouldn't be so much, um, there wouldn't be so much profit to us, we wouldn't have taken it. Oh, right, that's the phrase. Or, or if we had known that we're going to get the money, but it's really hard work, we wouldn't have done it. So this is just like this to me is like wow. First of all, right, these cases are talking about Polim, and this case at this point it turns out that what he's trying to do up here maybe also, right, although it's a mess, right, what this case is, but certainly down here, we're talking about Kablonim. So he interprets the Mishnah as that the halacha is the same for Paulim and Kablonim in the case of Hitu, um, where we haven't seen any basis for doing that. He claimed there's only a Taromit in cases where they were really genuinely misled about how much work they would have to do for the salary they're getting. That's wild, right, that he tells them here, right, I'm paying you five dollars for the work. It's gonna, right? It's really light work. It's gonna take you. It's gonna take you an hour, and it turns out it takes five hours, and not because they're bad at it, but because he misled them, and there's still only a taromet, even right, even though this is directly for the employer. So this is just wild, um, and you have to figure out. But you know, the Moshe was until very recently, still is, I think, in many places, the standard parish on the Yerushalmi. Um, so I don't, I don't know what we do with it, and you know, but you understand what he's trying to do, right? So here's my thesis to what he's trying to do. Aside from the problem that he has with that, he, you know, that he's obviously um, reading the Bavli into the Rishalme, but it's not entirely his fault um, because he's built he's built with the Ritva, um, right? Who said this already? 
Uh, except that the Ritva has a completely different text. And he's trying, right? The Ritva only has two sections. He doesn't have these opening, he doesn't have these opening sections. Um, right? So all the Ritva said was, the Yerushalmi only talks about the case where it's direct, where it's direct and the Bavli could have said that also. But the Moshe, because he has four sections, has to find a way to have the Yerushalmi say that. Um, and Lanius Dati, this is just a, um, this is just a, uh, a ship aground. Um, now the question then always is, okay, so does that mean that when it comes to constructing halacha, that it doesn't have, right, that we don't use it um, because they think it's wrong? That's a really, fi- you know, that's a really interesting question. What happens if we have later halacha of people who disagree with me and think that the play Moshe is right? So what do we do about that? Those are all really important questions. Okay, so I'll stop here. Other comments about that? Okay, so let's so, get so, yes. Question. So you, you you said earlier, right, that it seems like the, it would be, but the Bible never had a case of where it said it is upset for the with the Balabite because it would seem that that case would be impossible. Right. 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 So now with this, with so um, I guess. What, riffing at least on what you were just saying like isn't it possible to come up with a case for example of the Balabai not saying that it's a case of um, you know where they're paid by the job but let's say there's a case where the Balabai said come do this work for me and I'll pay you you know I'll pay you 10 a day and it'll be 5 days and then it turns out to be 10 days of work right so you know, it could be that they get paid, or he says, come do it, come take this job for $10 a day, and it's going to, you know, and it's going to be a 10-day job, and then it turns out it's only a five-day job, so he only ends up earning 50 instead of earning the 100 that he thought he would. Right. So it's not a case where there's, you know, that could be a case of Hitu, but where, well, no, was only Taroma. No, I understand that's not the case that is being, you know, proposed. Also, why is it true, right? If there's a direct contract, right? So what you're doing is you're saying you're constructing the Yerushalmi as having much less, much lower worker rights than, right, than, than, than the Bavli. And also the case you're constructing is really a, a case of Chazara, right? He hired them for 10 days. No, because the contract is, I no, the contract is I'm going to, are you for five for ten dollars a day? How yeah. many days do you think the job will take? I think it'll take ten days. But then really it only takes five days. So you're constructing what you're trying to do is I'm trying to entice the worker to come. Right. And I had did I hide right, entice the worker by making But the contract is still a hourly rate. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to put writers on the contract. Right, so he doesn't really commit to ten days; he's just estimating. Right, you're trying to put informal writers on the contract. Uh, okay, that, that, so I, I think that that you know that's not a good thing for workers, and nobody, so far as I can see, nobody has. Yeah, I mean, you want to read, you can try to read the Ritva and the and the Pnei that way, but that's a big chiddush that you're coming up with, which I, you know, as an employee, would not be happy with your chiddush of saying that that employers aren't bound. By their right, by by their deliberately false estimates of the work, 
So this is deliberately false, right? There's no pretense that... Oh, it's less radical. It's, it's less radical than what's being proposed here than where I told you I was going to um, pay you, you know, it's going to be a five-day job and I'm giving you a fixed amount and it turns out to be a ten-day job, which feels like that should just be fraud. Okay, so I agree with you. Um, pro perhaps it's less radical than it, but it's all not good. Like it's all not good, right? That you know that the Bible worked really hard to try and find cases where it was only, right, where it was only Torah. And the way the Bible did that is my contention, is by introducing the agent because the Bible's assumption is that the employer is always bound by their contract. And that's what I want to argue. And the right and these interpretations of the Yerushalmi are claiming that there are ways in which the employer can directly mislead the employee. And nonetheless be liable, not and nonetheless not be liable. That to me is always a chiddush. I don't know that I want to let that into halacha, but you're right. It might be possible to come up with versions of this that are less radical than the specific one introduced by the Pnei Moshe, and maybe you could read those into the Ritva. I'm a, I agree with that. Um, what I want to point out just structurally again here is right is that what would happen to the Pnei Moshe is right. He has a Bavli Yerushalmi. The Yerushalmi is enigmatic. So he right, so he's inclined to read it like the Bavli. He has one Rishon who mentions the Yerushalmi, so he tries to read the Yerushalmi like that Rishon does also. But the problem is he has a completely different text in that Rishon. So he ends up trying to read the structure of the Ritva into the text that we have. And the result, I claim, is, um, is not just incoherent, but possibly like really, really wrong halacha. Which you can say it doesn't bother us because if it contradicts the Bavli, well then um, we'll just paskin like the Bavli. Okay, but I want to I want to try and at least start one other parish on the um, on the Rishalme this week. Um, so let's take a look at the Ridbaz. Uh, the Ridbaz is um, early 19th century. Uh, he goes back and forth between um, Europe and Chicago. Um, and trying to get right, spending a lot of his time trying to get his parish on Yerushalmi published. Uh, family connection, right, is that he write, wrote a letter of approbation for uh, Deborah's great grandfather um, when he was uh, rabbi, rabbi in Chicago, Abraham Browdy. So let's take a look at the way the Ridbaz um, reads the reads the sugya. So he also has he also has four um, four sections. Let's see how he reads it. He says Ridbaz, hitu mahu, atun. So here we are, right? So you start off with the middleman again. Good. All right. What's your salary? He says, most of us get five. Most people get five dinarim for the work we're doing. And it turns out that they actually, um, that most people actually get 10. This is the case where he tricks the, where, uh, right, where the agent tricks the polem. Uh, so it's not, right, so what he does is he constructs a case which is sort of like the Balabayas, except instead of tricking them about what the Balabayas said, he tricks them about what the Sha'ar is. Um, now his Akimta is also pretty dangerous because he says that when when he tricks them about what the shar is, then um, right, which means that they're really 
here, right here, they're definitely getting paid less than what the work is worth. They still only end up with a taromet because of Vikibel. All right, so he's poskening against the, I guess, he's poskening that, I guess, well, I guess that's where the Bible ends up, right? That he's poskening Leslach. They have a taromet because Leslach altimna tuv mi but his chiddush is this applies not only to the, um, not only to the case where he misleads them about what the employer said, but even where he misled them about the shar. And you could easily argue that they only agreed this, that they only agreed to whatever the shar is. So that's a pretty big chiddush, and it's also a much less favorable to labor than the um, than the um, Babli. Then we come to what's really interesting. He says, Hashem Tharish, hitu heim oso. He says, if I'm gonna look at this structure, so the 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 flaw in the Pneumosha's understanding of the structure of the Gemara is that the Pneumosha says, look, there are four sections. The these two, says the Pneumosha, are both the same case where a middleman tricks tricks his fellow employees. This right, but he, this side of it is reverse cases, right? One side one side is the Balabayas tricking them, and one side is the uh, is them tricking the Balabayas. So the Pneumosha fails really to get the Zed Zed structure consistent. Because here Zed Zed is just cheating because it's true that each of these is cases where the employer tricks, where, the, where one employee tricks the, uh, tricks the others, but there's no reversal, right? It's not, right, they, they just, we just reverse the numbers, we don't reverse the people. Here we reverse the people. So if you want the structure to be symmetrical, the Pneumosha um, fail, right, fails on that, on that grounds also. So Ribas says, no, I'm going to construct a case which is um, symmetrical. Here's a case where they, where, where the, uh, the, the middleman tricked them, and now I'm going to come up with a case where they tricked the middleman. What's the case? Atun Abdunimi, right? So he, tell, right, he tells them, come work with me for my balabais. Well, um, right, um, what do you guys usually get paid? Right, right? He asks them, what do right? What do you guys work for? and they said to him, Minasara Ruban. Right, we get we get ten. Rotzalomar de Ruban notli Nasara. I mean, most of us get ten, and it turns out they only get five. Ubazehitu apolimoto. This way, the the workers trick the agent. Good, the workers trick the agent. But why is the agent responsible? Did he say scharchem alai? Is right? Is he right? Who right? Because the because he's an agent, so we have to claim that the agency extends even when the agent is tricked. But that's a big chiddush, right? That the right, that the owner is liable for right, the owner, right? Because in the Bavli, we kept assuming that if the agent overpromised, the owner was not liable. But here, because right, so what the Ridbaz does is he takes advantage of the of the Gemara, of the Yerushalmi leaving out the explicit instructions of the owner, so he constructs a new case and he says, ah, since the owner just gave vague instructions, hire workers, so even though we know he meant hire workers at the Shar, if, right, we assume that, right, the, right if the agent is tricked into setting the Shar higher, the owner becomes liable for this and he has a Taromit against whom? Now you could say no, I'm wrong. It's not that the employer is liable; it's that the agent is liable, and the agent only has a teromit against them because the agent is savar v'kibel. But that would require, according to the Bavli, that the agent would have to say scharchem alai, um, and yeah. Well, can we interpret it that it's not about their salary, but about the quality of their work? 
sure it was five, and we're not assuming, we were not necessarily saying there was any paromas about the actual salary. I'm not sure what we say to pay five or ten, but... Well, it's the shower for those workers, right? They're, right, they're, they're over... They're lying about their salary scale on a job, I guess. You, know, you, want to, you want to construct a case where somebody lies about their salary scale in an employment interview. And the question is, so now, right, and that's right, is the employer still liable um, because of that? So we might say no, but we probably, we might only say no if, I don't know, that's an interesting question, right? That would be the interesting analogy. I don't think, though, right, so I don't think that we can read that into the, um, read that into the case uh, here, though, because, um... I'm sorry, I seem to have lost my controls for... Uh, lost my controls for my case. There we are. Because um, I, I, think, I think that the, the language of the text here is... Right, he has... So you want to think it's only about the quality of their work. That's really interesting. Okay. That's a Kiddush. It's an interesting Kiddush. Uh, it's an interesting Kiddush. I don't have a really... I don't, I don't have a way out of that. Okay, I just want to point one one more thing out about this, and then we'll, we'll pick this up again next week. Look at the things that Ridbaz, who, right, Ridbaz has to do to get, even assuming he's right, right, he has to change, he has to change Ruban here, um, right, as opposed to Yomin, right, 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 our text has Yomin here, he has to change it to Ruban, uh, right, he, right, since he has to have the, the, um, the agent talking he, right here, he has to change, he's going to have to change the pronouns, um, all the, uh, all the way, not, actually not this one's not going to change, you have to change it here. Okay, let's just start that he changes Ruban to, he changes Yomin to Ruban, so it's consistent all the way through, right? He doesn't have the word Yomin at all. And he does this on the basis of the, uh, on the basis of the Ritva, I think, but A, the Ritva only has the second half. So, the Ridbaz comes up with new cases, I think they're radical. Um, he has a nice way of getting them getting the last one to be at least a pro-labor radicalism. Um, and he has to change the text to do it. And we'll see uh, next week how he interprets the second half of it. Then we'll do at least one other, as you can see, where you can prepare in advance. We'll do the, um, we'll, do, we'll, do the we'll, do, we'll do other Rishonim that, um, prior to the Ritzvah and see, what the, see how they understood the Yerushalmi as the Ritzvah of the consensus. And then we'll do this one Nesivah's Yerushalayim which is um, right, a, a, a 20th century. I think it's, no, sorry. Uh, I'm blanking. Sorry on what, where exactly, where exactly is. I think it's a fairly recent, um, kind of late, maybe early 20th century uh, commentary on the Ushalmi. And we'll see that, uh, I guess, I hope, I hope I'll show you that there's really no way of knowing what shot in the Ushalmi is uh, because everyone has to amend the text in some way or another. Um, and then they come up with whole interpretations which build whole legal systems um, for which we'll have to see how much precedent there is. All there are, right, we'll see the Rishonim and see whether what the Akronim are doing is parallel to the Rishonim, what the Rishonim actually give us, and then figure out whether it's all worth. And then, having done that, we're going to go on to the um, Yerushalmi later in the Perak, which there is um, no way to avoid, I think, uh, allowing into Halacha uh, and allowing it to have a lot of impact, so we'll do that with caution. Okay, any last comments? So that's a really interesting and big question. Um, first, let's say we're talking about Yerushalmi, not Bavli. Sure. Right? So Yerushalmi, 
right? Right, Yerushalmi as a written text is just not right, not learned or copied. Right, most Rishonim don't have the Yerushalmi. Um, right, so that right, Yerushalmi is sort of um, right. There's all right, the the Tosfos and the and the Rif when they quote Yerushalmi, they're really quoting scholars think now they're really quoting digests. Um, they, right, they don't have, they don't have the whole Yerushalmi. And right, so we talk all about the importance of Masoret, right? Masoret is a right. You can't that, that a text can a, no text can really maintain its meaning without a history of interpretation, a live history of interpretation, and then specifically, the right the Bavli was largely not intended to be right to be read without a Masoret. The whole point of the oral tradition was to make sure that you couldn't read it without a Masoret, and so that's great if you actually have a Masoret. But when you lose the Masoret, so then, right, people copy the text, they don't know what it means, so they make all sorts of mistakes. Um, and then a right, text isn't even copied frequently, so one typo, right, you know, gets, you know, with, on a manuscript that nobody ever copy edited, uh, becomes, a, a, you know, a total wreck. So I wouldn't go from the Yerushalmi to the Bavli uh, in that way. The question is really, right, you know, that, um, so the Yerushalmi mostly lived in obscurity for a very, right, for a very long time. Uh, it has a, you know, it has a, um, a couple. Right, it has a, you know, a revival, because it's printed, and once it's right, you know, so even though it's almost, it's not available in manuscript in lots of places, but printing revives the Yerushalmi. Um, some of the reprintings revive the Yerushalmi, but what makes it really wild nowadays is that we have Eretz Yisrael again, and there's no Bavli on Zrin. So all of a sudden we need the Yerushalmi again because we have all these areas of halacha where there is no Bavli. It's only it's only Yerushalmi, so we're trying to we have halachic reasons to reclaim the Yerushalmi. Um, okay, one other thing I should say, and we're going way over time, so I'll, I'll stop at that. We can start again next time. Should also be aware that the Yerushalmi on the Bavas is is not the same as the Yerushalmi uh, as Yerushalmi everywhere else. The Yerushalmi on the Bavas is specifically very very short and enigmatic. Um, so it's a little bit unfair for me to teach you a show you the show you the Yerushalmi and Bava Metzia as a model for problems of Yerushalmi, because while all Yerushalmis have problems like this, they're different in the Bavli, because the Bavli, in the, different in the Bavas, because in the Bavas, uh, right, like, you know how long the, right, how long the, the, um, the texts of the, right, the texts of the, Bava Bava Basra is the biggest, um, right, is the biggest Masechta in Shas, physically, if you look at it, right, and the um, Yerushalmi, I don't have my physical Yerushalmi down here, I don't think, but let's say that right, the whole Nazikim the Yerushalmi is this very very thin volume. All right, Bav Metzia is probably has as many words as the has fewer words. Bav Metzia in Yerushalmi has fewer words than the first parak of uh, of Bavlian on uh, of Bavlian Nazikim. So if we were trying to say anything near the same thing, you can see that. So we can talk about right why that is. But I just say that right that the Yerushalmi it's not the Gemara's fault. It's the right the Yerushalmi was not intended to be read independently. It was intended to be read with a live tradition. And the live tradition, we can talk about next time when and how and why. Although most, it's all it's all widely speculative, but at some point the live tradition just ended, and you know, and we're trying to reclaim it. And we, you know, and it's an object lesson in how you really do need a masoret. Without a masoret, uh, it's just about impossible. Okay. okay. Thank you guys so much for showing up. And uh, God willing, uh, I will be um, out of uh, out of my basement. <laughs> And uh, and ready to teach in person again by uh, by next Tuesday. Thank you again. Have a great week.